0: for advent is focused on the titles that are given in the prophetic book of isaiah to the messiah and so we will have the same text every sunday but we'll focus on a different title so let us listen together to the prophetic words of isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 through 7 for a child has been born for us a son given to us authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace his authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the throne of david and his kingdom he will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore the zeal of the lord of hosts will do this this is the word of god for the people of god amen our scripture is from the prophetic book of isaiah which i never recommend as a starter prophetic book it's very long it is very dense it is wonderful but at the same time if you're looking to ease your way into the prophetic books i would encourage you to start with something that's maybe a little bit more approachable maybe a little narrative and so i usually tell people to start with jonah and then work your way into the 50 books uh, the 50 chapters of isaiah it is it is definitely worth reading because isaiah takes us on a journey of god's people isaiah contains in it both pre-exilic exilic exilic, and post-exilic text prophecy for god's people and the exile is the one into babylon where after the golden days of king david and his son solomon on the throne the country the nation the people of israel will break into the northern kingdom of israel and the southern kingdom of judah and after that point things will continue to deteriorate the country will atrophy the people will become more and more disenchanted and disillusioned with the governance by their respective kings and ultimately it will culminate in foreign powers invading and using warfare and siege work to overthrow the autonomy of god's people the assyrians will destroy israel in the north and forever disperse its people not only among their regions but also within the country itself and bring in new people these are the very same people that are referred to as samaritans in the gospel accounts And in the southern kingdom, perhaps because they were smaller and more out of the way, not on that major trade route that ran from Egypt up to what would become Babylon, maybe they had a little bit more of a safety net built around them. But what ends up happening in the southern kingdom is that there was once a king who's sitting on the same throne that David and Solomon once sat upon who decided to show off his wealth. I'm sure you've never seen anybody show off their wealth before. But a a viceroy came from Babylon and had come and was there, and this particular king decided to show that he was on the same standing as Babylon, so he took them into the palace and showed them the treasury, and then he decided to take this person into the temple of God. And when he did, this person was able to look around and see the opulence of their worship, to see that everything was gilded with gold, encrusted with jewels, and intricately carved. There were all kinds of precious metals in this space. And that envoy from Babylon went back and said, You know, I think we've missed somebody. There's somebody that has a nice little cache of wealth. And that will pique the interest of Babylon invading the southern kingdom of Judah and making Judah their vassals, which they will eventually do. They will lay siege to the holy city of Jerusalem, they will conquer, they will go in and destroy the temple, liquidating its precious metals, destroying its liturgical furniture, and ultimately destroying the temple that Solomon built. And the tragedy is that, is as disgusting and heartbreaking as all of that is, Babylon wasn't done. Babylon had a different approach to conquering peoples. Babylon wanted to take the upper echelon, the religious, the social, the political elite, and take them back to Babylon where they would serve the upper echelons of Babylon and be retrained, reoriented, reeducated. And in this, they took these people from Jerusalem, from the kingdom of Judah, and they transported them all the way into the country of Babylon. And there for 70 years, they lived in exile. But then finally, when a new foreign power was able to rise up and conquer Babylon, this would be the Persians, then the Persians had a different way of running things. They said, we don't want you here. Go home. Go home. And so the people came back to a broken country. They came back to rubble where their holy temple was. They came back as a people who had not known how to be the people of God for 70 years. And Isaiah traces all of this, all of this hurt and this pain and this suffering and interweaves with it hope. Hope that we can be what God once called us to be, that we can overcome our situation, that we can become more than we are right now. Because that's not what God wants for us. God wants the very best. And so the words of, of Isaiah rang throughout the country. Now one of the things that Isaiah says in his text is that the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is God's savior for God's people. This is the one who is supposed to come and fix all of the mess that had happened in the kingdom, the promised land, that place that was given as a blessing to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all of their descendants. And they were looking for something very particular. Have you ever had somebody who had to give you a Christmas list and it was really, really specific what they wanted? You know, sometimes you have to learn these things. I remember one year, it wasn't for Christmas, but for one year I told my mom I wanted a gigantic rabbit. That's what I wanted. I said, I want a rabbit that is bigger than me. And I'm thinking like plush, right? Like giant plush rabbit, which by the way, was not that easy to find when you were six in 1986. Like that's like FAO Schwartz level in Manhattan. But I wanted this. And so Easter morning I got up and guess what? My mother had found a rabbit that was bigger than me. It was inflatable. Gotta be a little more specific next time, right? A little more specific. And so what happens is, these people have a very specific image in their mind. Yes, this will be of the throne of David. This will be a man. This will be someone who will be able to lead our armies once more, as David himself did. This will be a warrior king. And this king will unite our people, will bring back the golden age, of the people of israel and will drive out the foreign invaders and we will no longer be under their heel they were very clear on what that was meant to be but yet god knew what they needed not what they wanted and god told them here is what you need the words of isaiah are very clear you don't need a warrior you need a wonderful counselor a mighty god an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. You don't need a warmonger. You need a prince of peace. And you're looking for a man. I'm going to send you a child. I'm going to send you a son. My son, says the Lord. And so it is that we get these titles. And the first title, Wonderful Counselor, kind of skip by that a little bit oftentimes in our liturgy. Wonderful Counselor, that sounds great. Moving on. But really, let's look at what that is. Merriam-Webster defines wonderful as inspiring delight, extremely good, excellent. Sounds like something we would want. Wouldn't you want an excellent counselor? You don't want a mediocre counselor. You don't want a subpar counselor. You want a wonderful counselor. But what is a counselor? According to Merriam-Webster, a counselor is one who gives direction, advice, guidance, instruction, information, and enlightenment. This is someone who is able to give you blessings that you might be your best. That's what a counselor is meant to do. Now, counseling.org, which is a place that does accreditation and helps you to find and connect with a counselor and connect other counselors in their field with their colleagues, says that a counselor's purpose is this, help to identify goals and potential solutions to problems which cause emotional turmoil. The longer we stay in this world, the more emotional turmoil starts to resonate. Your bodies get older, your bodies get injured, they get sick, they break down, and that causes you emotional turmoil. The world changes, finances become less stable, sometimes they become completely unattainable, and that alone will cause you to feel emotional turmoil. Relationships rupture, they split, they are torn asunder, and that causes emotional turmoil. So many things can bring us to the brink of utter despair because of the toll that the turmoil takes. But a counselor has helped you to seek to improve your communication and your coping skills, to strengthen your self-esteem, to promote behavior change and optimal mental health. Wouldn't it be wonderful if everyone who has ever struggled with emotional turmoil recognized that Jesus wants to help them wants to help them improve their communication and their coping skills, strengthen their self-esteem, realize that they are beloved and of sacred worth, promote behavioral change for the better, and give them optimal mental health. We are in a place in our history where mental health is, is something we're trying to prioritize. It's something that oftentimes in the church had not been accepted and beloved. It was certainly not something to be embraced. And over the course, especially since the pandemic, more and more Christianity, especially United Methodism, has realized that it needed to be more attuned to mental health, especially since there are a lot of us in the church who are experiencing emotional turmoil. And so our mental health is very important. And I have a counselor, and my counselor has a sign in her office. She is a Christian counselor, and her sign says this, normalize Jesus and therapy. What a brilliant little statement. Let's normalize Jesus and therapy. Because the truth is that we can't heal thyself. We can't heal ourselves. That's why Christ came. And it's wonderful to have somebody who wants to be on that journey of healing, enlightenment with us. And it really emphasizes the relationship. God saying, I am coming to you as Emmanuel, God with you, to be your wonderful counselor, is God saying, I am committed to this life journey with you in relationship. I am here for you when you are sad, when you are happy, when you are glad. I am here for you when you are mourning. I am here for you when you are struggling, that you are broken. I am here with you for every step, every breath, every beat of your heart. I am with you you even when you don't want to be with me i'm with you and so wonderful counselor becomes an important way for us to realize what god is offering us in the messiah now again they were looking in jesus day in the and the decades even the centuries up until that point they were looking for a very specific person women need not apply We need to make sure that this person is of the right genealogy. They need to be well-bred. We need to make sure that this person has really important skills, right? Do you look good in gold? Can you sit upon a throne? Can you conduct yourselves among other worldly powers? Are you able to command an army? Can you slaughter giants when they appear? They had very specific things that they thought that they needed, but really what they wanted in their king. And then God being as brilliant as God is, God said to them, I know what you really need. You need a child. You need someone who will grow up with you, who will know what it is like to be you, who will know what emotional turmoil really feels like. You need somebody who will know how hard it is to live this life, who will have confronted the same struggles that you confront, who will know what it is to be sick, to be mentally ill, who will know what it is to love your loved ones and have them not love you. Someone who knows what it is like to be human, and yet somehow miraculously divine. And so while they were looking for somebody very specific in Israel, they were waiting for a very particular kind of person to show up. God said, I'm going to give you what you really need. And what is it that we needed? We needed a single mother pregnant out of wedlock. We needed a man who was going to completely turn his back on all the cultural expectations that any child he claimed for his own had to be his genetic child. Someone who was going to choose to love and claim a child as his own even though it was not by birth. God gave us a couple, a family that even until most recently Christianity rejected as normative. A single mother out of wedlock and a man who chooses to love them and claim them as their own. And that is what God gave us. God didn't give us a palace, God gave us a manger. God didn't give us war horses, God gave us a donkey. God gave us something that none of us would have chosen, but all of us need it. Because if you want to be a peaceful people, you can't worship the horses of war. And so God was giving us a new way. But we have to choose to engage with our wonderful counselor. You have to choose that. As I was growing up in Fairfax County Public Schools, you had a counselor, right? You had a counselor, and in elementary school, it was like one counselor for like 1,200 of us. I mean, this is Northern Virginia. So you had a lot of kids in there. And if you ever saw your counselor, it was like, oh, that's cool, that's who she is. But you didn't really have a relationship with this person. And then when you got to middle school, guess what? I think there were about 3,000 of us in middle school. And I think there were two counselors, I believe there were two counselors at that point. I don't know. I didn't have a relationship with either of them. And so you had counselors. You know who went to the counselor? Bad kids. That's who went to the counselor. Nobody was like, hey, today was great, got called into the counselor's office. Yay, me. Nobody said that. If you got called into the counselor's office, we all went, ooh, what did you do? You didn't go to the counselor because you wanted to have a relationship with a counselor. Maybe you went to the counselor because you wanted to get out of class. That may have been true, but you didn't go to the counselor because you wanted to be better. That wasn't a concept. And then we got to high school, and I believe that there were four counselors in high school. And I know in high school we had over 5,000 kids in my school. And so they finally realized, you know, maybe you need more than one or two. They have four. And I can remember that for several of my years in high school, my counselor was also the football coach. Which is a whole other dynamic, I will tell you. Because I don't know if you can tell or not, I'm not really a sporty kind of girl. I didn't really understand football. So when I would go to see him, because every now and then you were supposed to talk about your future with your counselor. And every now and then you would go to see your counselor and he would talk to me and I was like, I don't understand these terms you're using. What is huddle? What does that mean? I don't understand. And so he would use these phrases with me and I was like, you seem like a very nice guy and I love it when we have pep rallies and I get out of class, but I really don't understand where you're coming from. I don't get it. You're not speaking to me on my terms. And so what really happened was, despite the attempts to focus on what a counselor could be, I didn't have any place in my life for a counselor. I didn't think a counselor made any sense and it certainly hadn't set me up for a place where it's like, you know what? things are getting hard I better go get a counselor. That was not how things were set up. And so instead of helping me to realize that a counselor is somebody who chooses to walk alongside you, a counselor is someone who chooses to be open for you to share whatever it is that you want. Now you would think that would have resonated with me. I like to be around people and I like to share. That sounds fun. In fact, sometimes I really appreciate the ability to talk to somebody because as much as I love prayer and the ability to say, God, do you know what I'm living through right now and can you believe that he did this? It's nice to say those things to somebody who can go, oh my gosh, that's unjust. Wow, I like it when you can see it on their faces. Those are the best kind of counseling sessions because it's nice to know that someone is resonating with what you're saying, that they understand your experiences. You don't wanna go in there and go, I'm having emotional turmoil, and they go, I have no idea what that's like. What is emotional turmoil? You sound weak. You don't wanna hear that. You want somebody that goes, you know what? You don't have to say anything, but I'm here if you wanna say it, because I understand what emotional turmoil can feel like. I get it, and it's hard. It's not fair. It's not righteous, but it's reality. And how do you get through that? Now, when the church is at its best, we are teaching people that cultivating relationships and having those places where you can have a relationship where in your time of need you can be counseled is important. And too often, for a long time, we thought that the only counselor was the clergy person. But I will confess to you right now that clergy need counselors as much as all the rest of us. We need counselors too. And it's not just our district superintendent. That's not, I mean, as much as I love Dr. Lee. It's like being back in high school. There's one of him and over 170 churches. It's a lot of work. It's really hard. But God has seen fit that in every local church, there are others. Others who can walk with us, be in relationship with us, who can be there when we need help, and we are given the gift of being with them when they need help too. And so we have the opportunity, not only to experience our wonderful counselor, but to also magnify our wonderful counselor, which of course is the response that Mary had when the Archangel Gabriel appeared to her and said, blessed are you among women, blessed are you. Because I can't imagine the emotional turmoil a young woman, somewhere between the ages of 12 and 16, finding out that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, that she was not yet married, and so it was going to become apparent to her betrothed and her family and his family that she was pregnant. I can't imagine the emotional turmoil that she was feeling. And then for the angel to come and say, Blessed are you! Don't feel so blessed right now. And the more that that blessing within her grew, the more obvious it became outwardly what was happening. And I bet her emotional turmoil rose. And throughout that, the Christ child within her isn't able to be her counselor yet. But God, in infinite wisdom and love, gave her Joseph. And Joseph was with her. Joseph, as we always see him walking alongside the donkey that carried her. Joseph, standing guard over Mary in the manger. Joseph, who is not only there with them, but also attuned to the words of the angels who are saying, you need to leave now. God was counseling Mary and Joseph. And when you are that young and you are pregnant and the world says that this is no good, You can't imagine what she felt. I can't imagine what she felt, and I've been pregnant. But here she was, and she bore all of this that we might have a wonderful counselor. And our wonderful counselor says to us, there is nothing that you can't tell me. There is nothing that I won't receive, I won't listen to, I won't work with you for. I will help you because I love you. Now, my therapist has never told me I love you. I think that changes our dynamic, and so that hasn't happened, which is a good thing. But I'll tell you what, There have been plenty of times where when someone sits in the position as a counselor and you have that experience where they give you the same kind of gifts of helping you to identify your goals and potential solutions to your problems, when they help you to improve your communication, how you articulate what you are feeling, they grant you the ability to develop your your coping skills, they strengthen your self-esteem and promote a kind of behavioral change that will make you better and stronger for whatever lies ahead. And they help you tend to your optimal mental health. There's a moment where you look at that person and maybe you don't say it out loud, but you think, I love you for that. I love you for that. And even if I never tell my counselor that, even if I never tell my spiritual director that, even if I never tell my DS that, I can tell you right now that there are plenty of times when I'm in prayer and I say, God, I love them for that. I love them for that. It's not just that we need a wonderful counselor, it's that the next step in our spiritual journey is to realize that there are those who need their wonderful counselor, and we might be the first glimpse that they ever get of the wonderful counselor. Because I don't know if you've had the experience that I haven't had. I've never had anybody schedule emotional turmoil with me. I don't have anybody that says, you know what, you're gonna get through Christmas and right about January 6th, we're gonna go through some emotional turmoil. That would be helpful. Wouldn't it? If somebody was like, we're going to have a big emergency in about two months, get ready. Doesn't happen. But anytime that that arises, when there is a diagnosis of cancer, when there is a tragic death, when there is a, a bottoming out of your finances, when a relationship just finally comes undone, our wonderful counselor is always ready. Always ready. Never says, my appointment book is too full for you. Never says, I don't have time for you today. You needed to have booked out further. We have a wonderful counselor who says to us, every moment that you need me, I am here. You call on me and I am with you. You look for me and you will find me. You knock and I will open this door for you. Not just a door into the church, a door into God's heart that you are welcomed into. And that is what we have been given. That is what we need to show to others. Because we are moving in toward Christmas and even now there are two angel trees in the back and even now we know that nothing magnifies the brokenness of people, their households, and this world like the preparation for the birth of our Lord and Savior. Nothing reveals to us the lack of providence for some of these people. And so it is our time, as those who are privileged to already be in this place, to say that the next time that we encounter someone else's emotional turmoil, we will not turn them away. We will not respond to their pain and their suffering with there's no room in the inn. But instead, we will give them our ears, our eyes, our words of love and affirmation, We will give them our time. We will give them our gifts and our graces. We will give them anything that we can because God has deprived us of nothing. And unfortunately, this is daily work. I wish you got to a point in life where all of the bad was behind you. I know that we do. It's called death. But up until that day, you know that at any moment, It's waiting for you and so what ends up happening is you discover that as much as you're trying to be very present or you're trying to be prepared for the future what you discover is that at any moment tragedy can strike and you need to know that you are not alone you need to know that you are beloved you need to know that there are people in the name of God Almighty who are with you and for you and that is our call To be those people. We are not the wonderful counselors, but we know who he is. We are not the ones that are the messiahs, that can fix every problem, but we know where to find him. And when we make sure that when people in their vulnerability turn to us and say, I cannot clothe my children for the winter. When people turn to us and say, I can't even afford laundry detergent when people turn to us and say, I realize it's five o'clock on a Tuesday, but I can't feed my family. That there are people who are of the wonderful counselor who will say, you shall not be abandoned. We will find what you need. And what you need is not always things. What you need is a heart. What you need is a person who is willing to be with you. For we know who Emmanuel, God with us, is. But in the days ahead, as we move ever closer to Christmas, you are going to have opportunities to show people, Emmanuel, that God is with them. May you have the courage and the conviction to live out the prophetic words of Isaiah, to show this world that there is a wonderful counselor. You know him. You love him. Now let us serve him. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org. To learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.